After Liverpool won the Champions League, I expected a few cheers at that point, I must admit. I don't know whether you, know, you have good taste when it comes to football or not, or maybe you don't. But anyway, after Liverpool won the Champions League, uh, Jurgen Klopp, the manager, we'll have the next slide please, said, everything we do in life is about relationships. And I thought that's quite an interesting statement from a football manager because I don't know if the Liverpool supporters would see it that way or maybe even the owners of the club would see it that way. They might be more interested in silverware or making a profit or things like that, but he's quite right. He has done an amazing job of bringing a group of potential prima donnas together to make a real team. People who believe in each other, people who actually even seem to like each other, and who are willing to work and sacrifice for each other. And it's that that brought the success. The focus on relationship brought the success, not the focus on the silverware. And so the process, in this case the building of relationship, takes care of the result, and that's true of so many things. Next slide, please. Uh, John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Group of Churches, said a similar thing. Everything we do is based upon relationship. When Mandy and I joined Southwest London Vineyard before we planted this church, the leader of that church, John Mumford, said to us, come and get to know us. And uh, he could see from my blank expression that I hadn't a clue what he was talking about. So he explained, don't assume that because you've been preaching and leading worship and all that kind of thing before, that when you join this church, that's what you're going to do. But come, settle into the church, and after two or three years, we'll see what we think God's saying. Because I just said to him, I think God's told us to plant a church back in Oxford after a year. And he said, no, don't come with an agenda, just settle in, let us get to know you, and we'll see what God wants to do. And it was very, very good advice. And we happened to plant after a year anyway as well, so it all worked out. It's through the building of relationship with each other, through the letting down of barriers, being real with each other, getting to know each other, that we begin to see what God's gifting is on each other and then start to be able to call that out from each other, to encourage each other. We're able to cheer each other on and say, you are so good at doing this, I think you ought to do it some more. You're so good at leading worship, Matt. I think you should do it some more. That song you wrote is brilliant. I think you should write some more. Glad you agree. Now, obviously, this isn't anything new, is it? This is something that Jesus emphasized. He emphasized relationship. Mark chapter 3, verse 16 in the Bible, it says that Jesus appointed 12 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. So this is when Jesus built his core team together. Doing ministry with Jesus, for Jesus, being sent out by him isn't enough. It had to start by being with him. That was the primary thing. That was the process. That was the thing that brought the success. And uh, eating together, walking together, going sailing together, laughing and grieving together, getting to know each other. Those are the things that build relationship and those are the things that are foundational for us just as they were for Jesus and his team. 
One of the things that I love about this church is that we are relationally strong. And that doesn't happen by accident. It's something that we focus on, something that we put energy into, from uh, the first contact on social media through to the welcome that I hope you received this morning, right the way on to uh, how we welcome people into our homes and into our groups and continue to uh, build relationship. It's all part of building a healthy church. And so my first heading today is celebrate relationship. I think we have so much to give thanks to God for. And uh, I'm so grateful that this is a church where relationships grow and become strong. Where people who may have felt rejected elsewhere find a welcome, find a home, find a place to belong. And there is healing in those relationships. It's as we're real with each other that healing comes. Regularly people say to me, this is the most welcoming church I've ever been to. And that has been our target from day one, that this would be the most welcoming, the most loving place on planet Earth. And churches should be like that, yet so often they're a bit frosty. So let's, let's celebrate the, that gift from God, because it's what God has done. And let's continue to invest in that and make it strong. Those of you who come here regularly will know that our connection groups that happen on a Wednesday, Thursday night and our communities that alternate with these Sunday meetings are a vital part of our relationship building. And so in September we're going to release a new group of uh, connection groups, so look out for those. And uh, we'll continue to build and spin off more communities as well. A place to belong. Our society is crying out for that, a place to belong in a society that is so fragmented and people need a place to belong before they believe, while they sort out what's, what's all this stuff about Jesus to do with. So let's celebrate relationship and that leads me on uh, to think, let's celebrate the Bible. So that's the second thing I put in there. There are many places where we could go to build relationship. We could go uh, to a sports club and join a class there and get to know people. We could go to an evening class, we could go to a pub. You know, there are so many different things that we could do. But the undergirding of our relationships in this church and in the community that we're seeking to build is the truth that is taught in the Bible. If we were to go out the door here, go across Magdalen Bridge into Magdalen College, we could make an appointment to go into the old library, and I've done this a number of times. And uh, one of the priceless manuscripts that they have there is this thing that's about to come up. It's tiny, uh, and it is possibly the oldest fragment of the New Testament, the part of the Bible about Jesus. It dates well, one scholar has dated it to 60 AD, which is just 30 years after Jesus died and rose again and the first church was planted in Jerusalem. We know that the part of the Bible that records Jesus' life was written down very soon after his death. Don't let liberal theologians tell you that it wasn't written down till a hundred or maybe a couple of hundred years later. That's complete hogwash. There is no evidence for that at all. Um, people were desperate for an accurate account about Jesus and so it was written down right at the beginning. It was circulated and um, 
We know that within 40 years of Jesus' death, at least Luke's Gospel was counted as Scripture alongside the Old Testament. That was the authority that it was given. We can talk more about that another time. But it excites me just how accurate the Bible is, from, just from a, uh, an, the evidence of the manuscripts. <clears throat> The Bible itself says in 2 Timothy 3.16, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. The Bible is incredibly powerful and life-giving. And I don't really care which Bible study method you use, provided you use one, provided you read at least some of the Bible every day. Just even if you don't have uh, much time in your morning routine, just get a verse from the Bible at the very least. Uh, you know, you can get, there are countless apps out there that uh, will give you a verse from the Bible. Mine pops in at nine o'clock every morning so that even if I haven't quite got to the Bible, by that point at least I'll get a verse from the Bible to help me. I think you'll find that the Bible meditations that I've uh, given out uh, to be excellent, and part of the reason I think they're so good is that they help us to connect with the Bible, to, to connect with God at a heart level rather than just at a head level. So much of the, the Bible study methods are, they're good, they give us good understanding of the Bible, but they don't actually take us that far into intimacy with God. And that's what the Bible's for. It's about an encounter with God. So I would encourage uh, you to get hold of those. If, you're, if you don't have a copy, just uh, email Ellie at the office and she'll send you a copy of that. But I think we should celebrate in this church that this is a place where we believe the Bible, we teach the Bible, and we even put into practice what the Bible says. Uh, I love the Bible. It's the most amazing book. I don't claim to understand all of it, but... Third thing to celebrate is to celebrate authenticity. The Bible teaches us to be real. Authenticity is another key factor in building great community. In this church, you don't have to pretend to be spiritual. Everybody knows that you're human and that you struggle to be spiritual. Uh, I've been doing this job here in this church for 27 years. I've been working full-time in churches for 32 years and I still struggle with being spiritual. So, uh, and I, you know, I've, I was going to say I've been trained, I've done theology and all that. I wasn't not sure that that's really meant to help you with being spiritual, but... Uh, I'll get into trouble if I say that, so uh, we'll edit, edit that from the tape. But you know what I mean. Uh, professional people in the church struggle just as much as everybody else does. You don't get some fairy dust sprinkled over you. You get given a Bible when you're ordained, but you don't get fairy dust sprinkled that makes you superhuman. Uh, I find that my day is just as busy as it would have been at any other time in doing any other job. And it's just as much a challenge for me to uh, put aside all the busyness, all the emotional load, to actually spend time with God and be uh, in communion with him. <clears throat> so when you come to this church, you don't have to pretend to be okay. 
In fact, if you want to really grow, if you really want to get the support that you need, it's essential that we are authentic with each other. One of the main problems with religion in Jesus' time was the way the religious leaders were so religious. You know, it was all about show, wasn't it? It was all about the externals. It, it wasn't really about being spiritual at all. Even things like praying and fasting were done to show off to other people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be especially careful when you're trying to, do, trying to be good. I hope you do that. Try to be good. So that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theatre, but the God who made you won't be applauding. We'll leave the theatre to Anya with that wonderful performance they've got coming up. Instead of putting on a show, we come as we are. We're real about what we're struggling with. And uh, there will be times when we rejoice together. There will be times when we grieve together. When Oliver Cromwell sat for a painting, I think we've got this one coming up as well. The tradition at the time was to touch up the picture to make them... Uh, look a bit better, you know, early uh, photoshopping, getting rid of blemishes, getting rid of the pock marks and the warts and all that kind of thing. And Cromwell told the artist, paint my picture warts and all. I'm not interested in, you know, trying to appear something that I'm not. So let's just be real. I don't know why Cromwell came to mind. Maybe it was I was in, uh, in the pub where he based himself before he attacked Oxford. Who knows? Or maybe it was God, you know, could be. In this church, we celebrate the fact that we are accepted by God and by each other, no matter what has happened in the past or what's happening in the present. We can be authentic, we can allow the grace of God to shine through and heal our brokenness. So let's celebrate authenticity. And leading on from that, the way my mind went this week was, let's celebrate healing. Closely linked to the things that I've mentioned so far, the, the authentic relationships and the Bible-based relationships, comes the fact that we can receive healing, and it is those very relationships and the Bible teaching that lead us and release us into that place of healing. And so I want to celebrate that this is a place where the healing power of God is experienced in many different ways. Mark chapter 6, verse 56, we're told that wherever Jesus went, into villages, towns or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. <coughs> Pardon me. Interesting that it, it was in the marketplaces. That was where people were healed. Doesn't mention the meeting places, although it does mention them elsewhere. But here, it's they brought the sick into the marketplace, a bit like when we do healing on the streets. Uh, John Wimber used to say, the meeting place is the training place for the marketplace. It's not meant to be an end in itself. Then compare that with Acts chapter 5, verse 16. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Can you see the similarity between the two? Luke is deliberately making the point here that Jesus healed everybody, 
and the early church healed everybody, which is both a challenge and an opportunity for us to grow. And I find the more I pray for people, the better my batting average is, and the more people I see healed. And there are times when I pray for people and nothing seems to happen for weeks on end, and that just makes me fed up and desperate and go back to God. And there are times when, very often when I'm feeling the, the least able and the least, uh, the most empty, and I pray for people and it seems that everybody gets healed. And it's, it just illustrates very firmly that it's not about me. I just turn up and then Jesus does it. Oxford was founded, growing from a few houses on a river crossing into the city that we know today because of a number of healings that were done by a young girl called Frideswide in about 700 AD. I'd love to tell you more of the story, but I'm not going to get sidetracked today. Um, but we see the same thing today. We see that as part of the foundation that God built into Oxford. Part of the, the purpose that he has for Oxford is that people would come from all over the place, which they do, seven million visitors a year, to, but the purpose is that people would encounter Jesus, that they would experience him, that they would receive healing. And we see the same things happening today. We, I've lost count of the number of people that have been healed through this church, physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, and spiritually. It happens in our meetings, it happens in the marketplace. I've personally prayed for people who've been healed from things as varied as uh, deafness, asthma, hay fever, bad backs, joints that wouldn't move, breast lumps, cancer. Uh, I remember when uh, I had a bad back, I was in absolute agony and uh, I was laid out in bed, I, I, I couldn't barely move and uh, Branson, who was our worship leader at the time, he just phoned up and he said, can I come and pray for you? And I said, yes please. So he came and he prayed and 80% of the pain disappeared just in, within a couple of minutes as he prayed for me and I was able to get up and start to move around and over the next couple of days the the rest of the pain went. It's, we're in a body together so that we minister to each other. You know, don't wait for someone to ask you to pray for them. Let's be proactive in uh, getting out there and praying for each other. And it's Jesus who does all of that. As I said, we just turn up, make ourselves available. And uh, we can celebrate today that this is a church where people are healed that everybody gets to play. It's not just for the professionals, the elders, or whatever you want to call them to, to do the stuff. Everybody gets to do the stuff. And we can also celebrate there is, that there is so much more to come. The fifth and last thing that I want to celebrate is to celebrate salvation. And uh, no list could be complete without that. The biggest healing that anyone can receive, the best relationship that anyone can receive, is the healing of our soul and the restoration of our relationship with God himself. And the Bible gives us very clear uh, instructions as to how we get back into that relationship with God, having been cut off from him by what we've done. So, for example, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
and there are no exceptions to this whether you know we like to think of ourselves as good as Mother Teresa or the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or at the other end of the spectrum you know mass murderer or whatever that may be we have all sinned there is no exception we none of us have come anywhere near the pass mark we think of some people as good and some people as bad and God looks at all of us and he says well actually you've all fallen short of the standard the pass mark was 100% the highest anyone got was two that's just how far short of God's glory we've fallen and the result of that comes it is catastrophic Romans chapter 6 verse 23 it says the wages of sin is death the natural consequence the automatic thing that happens as a result of what we've done is that spiritually we are dead we're cut off from God we're cut off from the source of life and eventually we will even lose the little bit of life that we have spiritual death means being cut off from God for eternity it's something that none of us can escape and none of us can afford to pay the price to make things better but our Heavenly Father who loves us more than we can possibly understand he knew that we needed help he knew that we couldn't do it ourselves and so Jesus came God himself came as Jesus to pay the price for each one of us he knew that it was beyond us he knew that we couldn't afford it he knew that uh, we were we were stuffed and uh, so he came and he died and he rose from the dead so that we can receive new life eternal life life that starts today but goes on for eternity and so uh, if we click on to the next slide it says the wages of sin is death but good news the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord a free gift available to everyone because we couldn't afford it everyone who's willing to receive it can receive this gift we can't afford to pay the price so Jesus paid for us we weren't strong enough to bring about the change uh, we were spiritually dead and so Jesus did what was necessary to be able to give us life and if you've never received that life if you have never come to Jesus and said to him I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong I'm sorry that I have gone my own way done my own thing and I've not lived in relationship with you I'd strongly encourage you today to say Jesus I'm so sorry and you can put whatever words you want in there whatever is the cry from your heart uh, but it needs to include the fact that uh, an acknowledgement of what we've done wrong and a coming back into relationship with God so that we follow him so that we're not following our own agenda anymore but we follow him and that's what life is all about as many of you know my dad died this week and uh, I've been very touched by the love and the lovely notes of sympathy that uh, that we've received so thank you all very much for that but uh, I'm speaking at dad's funeral on Friday and uh, I thought that he would have had it all planned out he was that kind of person and so I was I was digging through his desk this week to see what I could find and uh, I found a little piece of paper just this sort of size and on one side was the names uh, of the four churches um, where he worked four little village churches in Gloucestershire before he retired 
And, uh, and then there were various jottings and numbers and things. And on the other side, um, and I don't know how, uh, how long a period this was, but it says, born again, 23. Assurance of salvation, 17. Rededication, 6. No decision, 22. And I thought, what an incredible testimony to a man who devoted his life to leading people to Jesus. And just as a football team wants to get the silverware, they want to score goals, we want to score goals. We want to see people come to know Jesus because that is the best thing that could ever happen. Winning the Champions League, that's good. But seeing somebody come to know Jesus is the most incredible thing that I have ever experienced. So the early church did it, Fried's wife did it, Dad did it, but it happens here too. Today we can celebrate the fact that this is a church where people come to faith in Jesus and build a real relationship with him. Some years back we met in this hall uh, and uh, before we moved around a few other places and I remember one Sunday morning a student uh, came down to the front, we'll call him John, I can't remember what his name was unfortunately, so John came down to the front and he brought his friend Ben with him who was at church for the first time and Ben wanted to receive prayer because uh, he needed some healing and I can't remember whether it was a shoulder or a knee or what it was. So John was pretty new to all this stuff himself, so he called me over and said, could you, could you come and pray for my friend? So I said, sure, I'd love to pray for him. So we prayed, and I think he was healed. And anyway, we were chatting afterwards. And I said to Ben, do you know Jesus personally? And he said, no, I don't. So I said, would you like to know Jesus personally? He said, yes, I would. So I just, probably about just here, I led him to Jesus, just a simple prayer. And um, I'm not sure that I saw him again after that. He was a student and uh, there were so many good churches in Oxford. Um, But then about eight or 10 years later, this guy came up to me beaming and he said, I don't know if you remember me, my name's Ben. And uh, you prayed for me and you led me to Jesus. And uh, he said, I'm just very, very grateful to you. And by the way, I'm going to a vineyard church as well. So, uh, what could be better? So far this month, we've seen four people come to faith through this church. And uh, I think we should celebrate that and uh, look forward to an even larger harvest coming in where we're starting to celebrate 10 a week uh, and 100 people and 1,000 people coming to faith in Jesus because there is, there is a move of God coming and we can celebrate that before, it's come, before it comes um, but we can certainly celebrate the things that, uh, that God's doing here. Well that's five things to celebrate. I don't know, you're probably thinking, oh we ought to celebrate this and we ought to celebrate that and uh, I love the way we do this um, but five's probably enough for this morning but there are so many other things that we could celebrate. We could celebrate worship. There is a special anointing on this church for intimate worship. We've seen incredible fruit in the past and again I believe the best is yet to come. We could celebrate the fact that there is an international calling on this church just as there is on this city so it shouldn't come really as any surprise 
There are people all over the world who have encountered Jesus in this church. Some for the first time, some have known him for years and they come along and they may come for just a couple of months, a term or thankfully sometimes longer than that. But they've encountered Jesus here and then they've taken the blessing somewhere else. And uh, sometimes they leave to go and plant a church. You know, the, I think our furthest one is Auckland in New Zealand, closely followed by uh, Tablelands in Aust- Australia, closest one, Abingdon. Uh, and then some people, they just, they leave because work takes them or they decide they want to go and worship somewhere else. But whatever reason people leave, they take the blessing with them. And we can celebrate the fact that the blessing is spreading uh, when people go, even though we... We mourn the friendships that we lose. Are there other things that you would, you would say in this church that you would want to celebrate? Things that you can think of, anybody? The cakes. We celebrate the cakes. The incredible number of donuts that I have personally eaten over the years in these meetings. Um, yeah, we, uh, food's an important part of relationship, isn't it? So we, we do that. Um, yeah. Anything else? Celebrate the differences, the variety of people that we have here. That's a wonderful thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. Just after we planted the church, uh, we were pretty small in number. And uh, one of the guys came to me and he gave me a prophetic picture which he thought was from God and I wasn't sure whether it was or not but uh, the picture was of God's hand holding a dandelion when it's the, the seed form and God blew it and he said I think that's what God's going to do he's going to blow on the church and he's going to scatter people everywhere which isn't really what you want to hear when you've got 14 people and you're trying to establish a church so um but he was quite right and again and again and again God has blown on our church and uh, he's spread the blessing Uh, thankfully more of a blessing than dandelions are but um, anyway Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 last verse for this morning don't worry about anything but pray about everything with thankful hearts offer up your prayers and requests to God. So chat to God about everything, but make sure you do it with thanksgiving, with celebration. Remember the good things that God has given. And sometimes life is tough, isn't it? And you get up and you think, thank you God that I'm breathing. And that's where it has to start. Thank you that there isn't much pain in my body. Thank you that you still love me in spite of my stupidity and the crazy things that I do. And we start at whatever level we can. And and I find uh, that the more I thank God, the more freedom there comes to be grateful and to appreciate just how incredibly blessed we are. You know, we had that video earlier from one of the countries where we've got a team working where they they couldn't do this. They would have to meet in people's homes. They would meet secretly. Uh, just recently, uh, one of the groups was raided and the people were taken in and uh, tortured. And uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's tough. You know, we take so much for granted, don't we? We've got a lot to celebrate. So, Father, thank you so much for the wonderful things that you give us. Thank you so much that uh, you saw the mess that we were in. 
and uh, that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, paid the price that we couldn't pay so that each one of us could come into a relationship with you. And uh, if you've never done this before, you can do this now and just say to God, just say to Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Please come into my life now. Please forgive me and help me to know you. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. And the Bible says that if we do that, uh, that God is faithful and just, he will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from every kind of wrong. Everything in the past, everything that uh, we're ashamed of, all the things that we wish people didn't know about. And we come into relationship with God. 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we can be called the children of God. And that is what we are. So, Father, we thank you that we're your children. We thank you that you lavish your love upon us. We thank you that uh, the best is yet to come, that there's more to celebrate. We thank you for the people who have been healed. We thank you for the relationships we have. We thank you for the Bible and the way that it leads us, it teaches us, and it guides us to you. We thank you for the way that you speak to us. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for healing. We thank you for changed lives. We thank you for uh, the way that you just pour out your love onto us again and again and again. And that with you there's no rebuke. That you just love us more and more and more. And thank you that we can never come to the end of your love. So again, before we finish, just take a moment to receive the Holy Spirit, to allow God to come and fill you. When the Bible talks about knowing God, it, it uses a particular Greek word that doesn't just mean intellectual understanding, but knowing something because you've encountered it. And God wants us to know him because we've encountered him. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come.